This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Hey, brothers and sisters. I have an assignment for you. We're looking for three Nephite stories. If you've had any encounters with the Holy Trio, then we want to hear about it. It doesn't even have to be your encounter. Maybe it was your great Aunt Petunia's. Maybe it was something that happened to your roommate's sister's cousin's boyfriend. It doesn't matter, just so long as it's a story about the three Nephites. You can call it in to us. Our number is 801-906-6722 and leave a voice message of your story. Or you can record your own audio and send it to us at mail at mormonexpression.com. Thanks for the stories. Welcome back to another edition of the Mormon Expression Podcast. I'm your host, John Larson, and tonight we're joined by three of our regular panelists. First of all, we have Jim. Uh, good evening. And we have Niall. This is Niall. And we have Tom. Hey, what's up, guys? And tonight we uh, have another special guest. Um, for those in the Wasatch Front, you've, I'm sure you've heard the the voice on the air of the one and only um, Richie T. Stedman, known as the uh, fresh-faced Mormon producer of the Radio From Hell show. Hi, Richie. Hello. Thank you for having me, you guys. All right, Richie. Uh, first of all, uh, a lot of our listeners are all over the country and may not have had the pleasure of listening to the Radio From Hell show. Now, um, I grew up with it. Um, I was in Weber County, so um, I date back to the Fun Pig days. Um, but maybe you can kind of let us know, uh, first of all, what the Radio From Hell show is. Okay. Uh, the Radio From Hell show is a... It's a a weekday uh, morning show. It's on the FM channels here in Salt Lake, 96.3, X96. And it is a show that uh, a lot of people, when we go out to like different radio and conventions, people are pretty surprised to hear Radio from Hell and especially to hear that it's from Salt Lake City. It's, uh, if I were to kind of just put it in a, in a little bit of a sentence, I would say that it is the counterculture morning show for the Wasatch Front. That's funny because that's exactly how I had it written down, the counterculture uh, morning show. Now, how long have you been uh, the producer for the morning show? Uh, I've been there about four and a half years. Uh, I started there right out of college and uh, started as an intern and then became a phone screener. And about a year and a half into my time there, they made me the producer of the show. Now, the show has three um, personalities, Carrie, Bill, and Gina, who how can we say this, um, spend a lot of time making light of the uh, Utah culture and the prominent religion. And you figure into that because you're sort of the um, home base representative of the church. Would that be fair to say? Oh, I, I would never, I would never uh, stick my neck out on the limb and say that I'm the voice of the church. <laughs> but I would definitely say that as far as representing the LDS church on the show, I think that, uh, that we're able to talk about a lot of the things about the LDS church and what's going on because I'm there. And then a lot of time I think that they'll even just go into the, to, to the topic or subject just because they know that they'll be able to rely on me. So by no means am I a representation of it, but yeah, I, I am the faithful person as far as the show goes. Both Bill and Carrie are former LDS members who know a great deal about the church, but no longer practice. Yes. And that's something they have always, um, not kept secret. I mean, they both grew up in the church um, very young. I don't think either of them made it very far past being a deacon or so. I, want, I You know, I don't know, actually, as far as what office in the uh, Aaronic Priesthood they each made it, but I know that um, that Carrie stopped going at about the time he was 16, and then Bill made it till he was about 18 or 19 before he decided that he was done with it. So, so since you've come on, when did they tag you the fresh-faced Mormon producer? You know, uh, it was actually when I, when I first, uh, when I first started, uh, one of the things that I first told them about myself was that I was a return missionary. I served in the Cleveland, Ohio mission from 1999 to 2001, June of each of those years. And, uh, and it's a big part of my life. And so, you know, different things that I was telling them about, uh, revolved either around the church or, you know, being a former missionary or return missionary. And, uh, and so one morning, I know, uh, just came out of Bill's mouth. Oh, you know, he's our fresh face phone greeter. And, uh, and that was the first job that I actually had with the show past being an intern. And then it became a fresh faced producer as I became the producer. And, 
And now, you know, they'll they'll make up a new title for me every six months, it seems. But it usually has something to do with fresh-faced Mormon, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and that that's become a reoccurring theme where they pull you in. And, and I, I noticed that you have um, sometimes defended or explained church church doctrine or church policy. Is that right? Sure. And they uh, they they uh, they also, besides calling me the fresh-faced Mormon, they'll also call me their local Mormon representative of of whatever topic and and uh you know most recently one of the bigger things was the whole uh kiss down on main street plaza <laughs> uh, you know they they had me come in and talk a little bit about that and you know what my personal feeling was uh again you know at any time i don't i don't ever claim to represent the church because i tend to think that i'm a little more liberal like i i think that i can take a joke about uh matters being religious unless people are really trying to be you know, trying to dig at me or or trying to, you know, get me to be defensive. I can take a joke about, oh, yeah, sure, it's a Moroni. <laughs> or, you know, that's not a very good joke right there, but. <laughs> well, and and, the, and I think the uh, guys are pretty, um, Carrie and Bill and Gina are pretty good at skirting that line of being, you know, of teasing the culture of, um, of, uh, I don't know, even going even further than that, but not crossing the line. I mean, I'm sure people call in or write letters all the time upset um, about sure. what they've said. And there, and there have been, and there have been times that we've crossed lines. I think where you know we've gone into a break, and you know we thought that it would be a good idea what we were talking about, and then we get to the end, and I, you know, I would say something like, "Oh, you know, I, I don't know that I want to do that again," or you know, they would do a break without me being in there, and then I'd come in at the end, and I'd go. You know, that, you know, for some reason, you know, either mentioning the name of the prophet specifically or, or something like that, that just, for whatever reason, kind of irks me a little bit. I'll always be the first one to go in there and tell them, hey, you know what, I think that might have been too far. So, um, short of the show, have you personally ever felt any sort of ramification from your participation as far as your, your membership or any other relationship with the church? Are you asking, like, has my bishop ever told me not to be a part of the Radio from Hell show? Yeah, for example. <laughs> uh, no, um, not anything like that. I, you know, there there are those times in church when uh, people who listen to the show will say, "Oh, yeah, that's Richie. He's from the Radio from <laughs> show because we're in church." You know, right? Uh, but. Uh, but I, for the most part, um, I'll kind of remove myself who I am at church, not because I'm ashamed of it or anything like that, but because I, I, I'm not one uh, in the in the church setting, especially to be a don't you know who I am kind of person. Right. I just want, you know, I just go to church so that I can learn, so that I can make myself a better person and learn about the things that I don't know about, as opposed to, uh, you know, hey, everyone, this is what I do talk to me about what I do. And it also saves me from having to try and get concert tickets for everyone in Elder's Quorum. <laughs> Short of everybody else bothering you about it, does it ever bother you um, participating in the in the Radio From Hell show? Do you ever think, man, what am I doing here? You know, um, there there's only been one time for me that I've been uncomfortable with uh, religious discussion. It didn't happen ha happen actually on the air. It was off of the air, and it was only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we we're talking to Carrie and Bill and Gina about, you know, what I believed it, and and uh, and they were just being out and out ignorant and rude about it, and uh, and that was the first time that 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 they had never been anything less than respectful towards the Mormon religion. So there was that. As far as other things, you know, sure, I, I've thought I've thought at times about, you know, am I being in a good environment? Am I finding myself in a place that, you know, that I, or I guess what I, I don't necessarily think about it that way. I think about it, would I be better suited if I was working in a different environment? Like, you know, something like maybe for KSL or, 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 you know, now the church even has a radio station that they do online. Would I be better suited to use these same skills and talents that God's given me, but in a different kind of outlet? Well, and, and and I don't and I don't know that I have an answer for that. Only that you know I know where I'm at and I'm I'm able to be good at what I'm doing. And and I also think that 
that there are people who now, uh, you know, they didn't, they weren't so sure about me at first being a part of the show, being a Mormon representative in the show, now have taken a lot of, um, not excitement, but have, are used to the idea that, okay, you know what, I'm Mormon like Richie is, so I'll, you know, he'll, he'll come to the defenses here or at least give a Mormon perspective at this point. I was going to ask, so so you've been Mormon the entire life, right? Raised in the LDS Church? Yes, I, uh, uh, yeah, born, raised, baptized at eight, and served a mission at 19. So if you were to, if you were just kind of give a brief summary of your faith, do you, do you always feel like you had a testimony of the church, or do you feel like you kind of gained it on your mission, or, you know, do you feel like your testimony is very strong now? Just some of those questions. Uh, let's see. How would I, you know, uh, well, I've always known that church is where I need to be on Sunday. I'll say that even from, you know, the very beginning, uh, my, uh, parents, uh, were divorced when I was about 12 years old and my mom actually had her records removed from the church when I was 14 with my mom. So from the time that I was 14 until the time I left on my mission, in order to get to church, it was going to church by myself. I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, have older, my older sister was in college, my older brother didn't go, so I would go on Sundays by myself. Now, hearing that, you think, oh, you know, he must have known it's true and had this, you know, this burning knowledge on the inside. And, and I can't say that I know that, only that I knew that church was where I needed to be. Uh you know, going further, when I went on my mission, I had never read the Book of Mormon before. I, uh, in fact, I remember, uh, one of the first, uh, classes down at the MTC in Provo as I was preparing to get to Cleveland and they're talking about the Book of Mormon and they're talking about how the Book of Mormon is another testament of Jesus Christ and it talks about how when Jesus came here to the American continent, I went, really? Really? <laughs> he came here? I, wait, he, Wait, so you you mean to tell me he came here to the Americas and then we, you know, further the next day or a couple of days later, we're talking about the apostles. Wait, wait, that happened? The gospel hasn't always been here. So uh, less than informed member of the church, but uh, have always attended uh, just because I knew that that's where I needed to be. But definitely being able to see the way that gospel could change people's lives on my mission was was where I, I came to know that it was true. Also where I also came to, you know, read the Book of Mormon. And serving in Cleveland, I got to serve um, right near Kirtland and had uh, a couple months' worth of district meetings in the School of the Prophets, being able to walk where Joseph Smith walked. So, uh, you know, if there was a way or a, a place that it was definitely shored up, it was in the time in the mission field. And I think you're, about you're after your mission, since, since you returned home, do you feel like your testimony has pretty much been as strong as it was on the mission, or has it kind of wavered, or the activity always been fairly strong? Um, the activity, yeah, I've been, I've been going ever since I uh, ever since I got home. In fact, I think I've only missed once or twice, and one because I was in uh, Europe somewhere and we couldn't find a, a church, and then another one was. Uh, we were traveling or something on that like that on, on a Sunday, so I couldn't get back uh, to a church or anything. But I'll even go when I'm out on vacation. As far as my testimony goes, no, I think that um, I think that uh, it 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 hasn't. Um, I I you know saying that obviously is a little bit of a humbling uh, thing to say, but I think that um, you know I think that. Uh, I mean, you always look to that time that w when you served your mission as like the pinnacle of your religious life. And so, you know, you're reading every day for several hours in the scriptures, either with people or by yourself, and you're constantly serving other people. And so I, I think the tendency is to become harder on yourself because you're like, geez, I'm not, you know, I'm not bringing people to church with me every Sunday and I'm not doing those things. And, uh, and I think that there have been times since I got home, you know, I've, I've been home almost eight and a half years. I think that there have been times that I've been a lot better about, uh, you know, you know, obeying the gospel or doing what I'm supposed to. And, and other times where I've just kind of gotten into, you know, either just being lazy or had a little bit of an attitude uh, about the church or, you know, 
but I but the thing is I do I don't think that any of those have been uh, things that have been associated with my job. Okay, yeah, it, Richie. So you you've been fairly faithful, and you say that your mission was was kind of your pinnacle of your faith and stuff like that. Have have you found um, certain elements that have sh- I don't know shaking your testimony or anything like that? Um, okay, so uh, trials of my faith, sure. Um, you know, I think uh, there have been a couple, and again, you know, I'm I'm willing to share with you guys, you know, everything from uh, from the inside as far as as I go. I'm not going to hold back anything. So if you guys get uncomfortable, you let me know. Um, <laughs> I, uh, when I first got home, I, uh, you know, you, you get home from the mission and you're gung ho and everything like that. And real quickly that faded for me. Um, you know, I came home and I didn't, I didn't get a calling real quick and I kind of got forgotten. Um, we had moved in the time that I was in the new ward, kind of didn't figure out that I was home and I didn't have a place to go. And I was a couple months away from going back to, and so I kind of landed and there was no one there to catch me. Not that I needed to be caught because I knew that the church was true, but, but, uh, you know, there was, there wasn't that for me, what I expected of the church, you know, coming home, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, yeah, catching me for, for, for lack of a better term that I can't explain right now. Anyway, so I got home and, and there was that element. And then I also thought, um, after serving the mission, you know, you, you become very goal oriented where it's, you know, I'm going to do this, and then that will bring this result. And I'll do this, and that will bring this result. And uh, my goal when I first got home from my mission was to be a married person. I figured, you know, I've done I've done what I'm supposed to do as far as going and serving a mission. So the next obvious step is that I need to find who I'm going to be with forever, and then marry her, and then it's the next step, and then we see where we go from there. And uh, and that became everything that I that I was working for and working towards. And I would go out time after time with these different people, and and it wasn't there for me. You know, I'd go out with someone who I really liked and thought, oh, you know, this is going to be great for me, and that person wouldn't be interested. I'd go out with someone else who maybe would be really interested in me, and I just didn't seem to see that connection at all. And so I became really frustrated with, you know, I you know I felt like I served my mission the way that I needed to. I felt like I did everything that I could. Why wasn't the Lord blessing me with someone who, you know, would would help me complete my goal? And so, uh, you know, I came, I became a little frustrated as far as that goes, until I finally just figured, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, and and she'll come along whenever. About a year and a half or so after returning home, I actually, uh, I. Uh, found myself in a in a bishop's meeting uh, facing church disciplinary issues. I don't know how in-depth we want to go on this into the podcast. I can tell you guys about this and we can edit it out, or I don't have to tell you about it. It doesn't matter. It, you guys decide. It's up to you. Um, okay. Well, uh, so I found myself in, uh, in a bishop's office facing a ward-level disciplinary council. Uh, which kind of surprised me because, you know, I, I didn't feel like I had done anything that was worthy of a, of a ward disciplinary council. Just to give you an idea of where it was, this was down in Cedar City, and I was in my, my sophomore year of college, and I had uh, dated this girl, and her and I had, had gotten into, as uh, our folks down in Utah County call it, the Provo push, or, uh, <laughs> or uh, you know, Levi Levin, whatever you want to call it. And that was the, ex- and that was the extent of the uh, physical activity that, this girl and I had uh, engaged into, and uh, so you know, knowing that it probably wasn't the best thing, I went and talked to the bishop, and and he decided that it was probably uh, means necessary for a, a ward disciplinary council, and the result of that ward disciplinary council was that I disfellowshipped, and uh, and so after that time, I kind of went, you know, I. I, I can't help but feel like I got a little bit of the, the short end of the stick on that one. A roommate of mine at that time, he and his, uh, he and his, uh, girlfriend, uh, were, you know, having relations, uh, like grown up relations, not, you know, 16 <laughs> year old Utah County relations. And he wasn't <laughs> nice. at the level, at the level of being disfellowshipped. And so for me, it just kind of, uh, 
it became a real frustrating issue that that was what I was going through when I knew that others who had done, in my mind, worse, weren't receiving the same punishment. What what did you think about that disciplinary process? Because I've I've been on I've served on a high council before, so I've been on the other side of it. What what's your overall feelings of that, Richie? Do you, do you think it's a you think it was a good experience, a bad experience, or, or what? uh well well you're what you're asking me is two different things. <laughs> <laughs> I no. uh, I think that I think the disciplinary process is great. I thought that uh you know the that those gentlemen who were in that disciplinary council um i think that they were acting uh according to the spirit uh and i and and that's what i've had to had to think because you know as i've told people about that experience and you know told them what i did in order to be uh disfellowshipped a lot of people have been like oh, i can't believe that you must have been so angry and, and a tendency would be to be that way and uh, and I and I and I couldn't be that way because at the moment that they announced that I was going to be disfellowshipped, you know, they they read a letter as you know, Tom, and they say this, this, and this, and you know, you're disfellowshipped as a member of the church, and they kind of uh, lay out the guidelines as to what you can do and what you can't do. There was a an an amazingly overwhelming uh, feeling of the spirit at that time for me that I. It, it was so strong that I couldn't ignore the fact that it was the spirit. So, uh, was it difficult for me to to have to go through that for what I did? Sure. Did I feel like you know that that the means um, were justified? You know, not necessarily. But again, it's not my place to judge in that in that scenario. But I know that the reason why there was that overwhelming feeling of the spirit at that time was because anything less, and I think that I would have said, you know what, forget it. This isn't worth it. If you guys don't want me, then I'm out. That kind of thing. See, yeah, the only reason why I asked is because in my experience, uh, it seems like the majority, it's not always the case, but in the majority of people have an actual negative experience. And that's unfortunate. So it's it's good to hear that yours was fairly positive. Okay, Richie, you, you brought up um, being single. And um, we've talked a little bit about the show. They actually... Um, Carrie, Bill, and Gina probably tease you more about your dating life and about being single than they do about your membership in the church. So you you kind of live your life out loud on the radio. Um, h- how does that affect your um, seeking an eternal companion? Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> and and did I, you want did you want more than that? <laughs> no, I I, I mean I. Uh, just so, no, no, no. just to kind of set. I mean, you, you've you've been through some kind of breakups that you've kind of lived out loud on the radio. Absolutely. Um, uh, it, it, it's actually been it's been good and bad. Um, it's been good because the nice thing about the radio is you don't have to tell everything about you. You you get to pick what you talk about, and uh, and so I think for a lot of people who listen to the show. They only hear the wonderfully charming, the fantastic things, you know, these <laughs> these big things that I do for the people that I date. They don't hear about how sometimes I'm a little selfish or a little self-absorbed or, you know, too busy to be able to be with them. So I think that in some minds of, of people who listen and, and then, you know, who I, who I sometimes will meet and even go out with, you know, they have this, this picture painted in their mind of, of who I am, who I couldn't possibly always be. So there's that, but it, there's also, uh, you know, this happened just weekend yesterday. Um, there's a girl I've gone out with quite a bit, and uh, we were playing an old best of on the radio. For those who don't know what a best of segment is, it's something that's recorded in the past and then replayed on the weekend, uh, so that we have some of the morning show being played on on the weekend, so people can go, oh yeah, I like that show. I'll turn it, tune in during the week. And the best of that happened to be playing yesterday morning was uh, me talking about a date that I had gone on with my ex-girlfriend. Uh, this girl who I'm seeing now is a little bit jealous of the ex-girlfriend because <laughs> her and I dated for a long time, and you know we had talked about getting married, and it ended up in, you know not working out that well. And she happened to be, this girl that I'm seeing now, happened to be listening to the radio yesterday and sent me a text message saying, yeah, listening to the best of where you're talking about how much you love your girlfriend. Hate this. So... <laughs> You know, you never really get away. You never really get away from it, but 
but it also so too um i think that for me real quickly it helps me um figure out who it is that i'm going to be able to work well with as far as in a dating relationship because if they can't handle something just as simple as that they're not going to be able to handle being with me and how old are you None of your business. How about that? <laughs> I just wonder if you're a threat to society yet. That's all. I, I am a, a menace times 700. No, I'm 29. So so do because of your kind of public persona, do you get a lot of girls who, um, I don't know, slip you their phone number? I mean, you, you, you probably have a lot of girls kind of seeking after the Richie T experience. Uh, thank you for putting it like that. Uh, you know... <laughs> I, I, uh, I would never say a lot. Um, th- there are, again, it, it, uh, I find that it works better for me to date people who know very little about show or nothing at all. <laughs> um, just because, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what you do for a living. John, what do you do for a living? I, I work in software. I'm a product manager. All right, so it's like if if you went out with someone who wanted to talk about software all night. Oh, oh. yeah, tell me about the newest upgrade and your, you know, I I can't even I don't even know that much about software, <laughs> so that's about as far as I'm going to go. But it but you know, to date people who are fans of the show, I mean, it doesn't work because they're in love with either the me they hear on the radio or they're in love with the idea of dating someone from the show. And it really quickly becomes more tedious and like being at work while you're going out as opposed to getting to know someone, getting to know, you know, what they like, what they don't like. Yeah, that makes sense. You're, Go ahead, Nan. You're doing, it, you're doing it wrong. You know, they say if they give you lemons, you should make lemonade. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think you could probably find a way to, to your advantage. <laughs> well, well let, let's just say this, though, about that. There, there, I, I make it sound like I am, you know, like I'm always just looking for that right one who will make me happy for eternity. And boy, this, she's the one. And, and I always am having an eye, an eye open towards that. But I have also, in the time I've worked for the radio station, gone for Mrs. Right Now and had a lot of fun with that. So, Richie, I was looking at your blog tonight and I noticed that Murdoch Travel uh-huh. has appointed you to be like the, um, leader of an LDS singles um, cruise next year. So uh-huh. have in you be- May of next year. Have you become like the uh, Utah spokesman for the LDS single living, um, <laughs> the LDS singles? <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm the spokesman. Uh, I think that, that I'm a figure they can put in front of them. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take what I can get. I think that, uh, I think, you know, because of the background and, and, and just because, you know, I make an extra effort to do it, I think that, that, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, LDS people, it's a peculiar people and they're just weird. And, and, and it also, you know, it kind of seems like you can't be a, a religious person and be a normal person. And, uh, or, you know, you can't be a Mormon person and you can't be a, an accepting person. You know, it almost, in, I think in some people's minds, it, it becomes this, you know, if you're Mormon, you're judgmental and you're a weirdo and, and everything like that. And, uh, I, I think, you know, why I work well with the show and, and, uh, you know, why I found success in, in working with in the other entertainment realms is because, you know, I know who I am and what I believe in, but I'm also very accepting and, uh, and caring about people who don't think the exact same way that I am and then and then also I'm not always just waiting for the opportunity to just jam the gospel at them but that's not to say though that I haven't had very you know with you know people that I work with at the theater who you know either have been a part of the church and are no longer or have never been a part of the church you know but 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 it's definitely a a a a a not more delicate, but a, 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 a different way, I think, than, you know, do it on your mission where you just come out and say, you want to hear a message about the church? Right. Now, now in your job as producer, um, you're mixing, you know, you're, you're setting up, I don't know, the, the tequila pairings and the um, evening engagements. You're working with kind of the rock and roll lifestyle um, people. I'm sure you're going to, um, you're interacting with a lot of people who don't share your standards, for example. So sure. does, does that... Um, does that bother you any? How does that sort of jive with your faith? 
Uh, you know, at uh, at sometimes I've I've thought about you know okay, so I'm setting up a tequila pairing. Should I really be doing this, or should I have nothing to do with it? And uh, and uh, th- th- where it's come down for me is, you know, I know that that I need to have a job, and that you know God gave me the skills that I have. And, you know, that there are some some things that come with this job that aren't necessarily the best things in the world. Now, that said, though, uh, I think that, you know, when I go, people know where my standards are. You know, the tequila pairing in specific, you know, uh, people know I'm not going to have any of the tequila drinks. So, you know, I think that that serves uh, maybe not necessarily even example to anyone there at the, you know, tequila pairing. But they go, you know what? Okay, he's living the way that he says he's going to live. It's not just an act. And and if people live the way they say they're going to live, I think that that's a a great thing that people can do. Mormon, not Mormon, you know, anything. If people are who they say they are, to me, that's more valuable. I don't think that any time that me not drinking a tequila drink is going to make someone go, oh, you know what? I shouldn't be doing this or, you know. Let me stop doing this now because he wasn't doing that. I, you know, I don't think I'll ever change anyone's mind. But if anyone does have a question or if anyone does want to change their mind, I, I hope that they would go. You know what? Let me talk to Richie about. Well, you know, I, I think that's a great point because I, I think what you're doing, whether you intend to or not, is showing a great example of, you know, that you don't have to be really weird to be LDS. There's a lot of people listening to you who see you interact with that, the um, counterculture in Salt Lake City, and, you know, you hold your own with them and see that, oh, I don't have to, you know, like, lock myself in my bunker. Exactly. Hey, Richie, when I listen to the program, sometimes I'm amazed at how often you and Bill and, and Gina and Carrie can agree on certain things, and it seems seems like you've been um, fairly sympathetic to homosexuals and 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 their lifestyle and stuff like that do you find yourself at odds when when like the whole prop 8 thing went down and and the church kind of took a stance on that do you feel at odds at that with that uh, oh jeez wasn't the disfellowship thing enough no okay we'll talk about it <laughs> um, uh, okay um so here we go I actually had not heard anything about property until I was actually in um, California and I went to a church while I was out there. I think we were actually out there for the radio show uh, a year and a half ago or something like that, about the time of Prop 8 being started. And they were talking about, they got up in, in sacrament meeting and they asked members of the church to donate. Each stake had a certain goal, monetary goal that they were trying to raise money for Prop 8, and I went, well, what is this Prop 8 that I don't know about? Oh, it's a thing about, you know, uh, making uh, essentially homosexual marriage legal. And uh, and and immediately I went, you know, wow, is that something that that that, uh, that I, you know, that should be talked about in church? Okay, I guess, yeah, that's uh, you know, that's a, a thing that, you know, the church, it's an issue that they want to back. Okay, sure. So then I thought, okay, well, you know, would I donate money to that if I was asked? And uh, and I guess where my faith lies is in that if they asked me to, I would. They also talked about, for the folks out there in California when I was there, about going door to door and giving people information about Proposition 8. And uh, the girl that I was dating at the time, she also being fairly liberal, it was a, it was a huge discussion for us. Um, by discussion, I mean argument, uh, <laughs> because uh, for me, I, I guess where my faith lies in is, you know, if the church asks me to do something, you know, that's what I'll do. But it, uh, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I have Several friends, because I do theater, and also because the radio show typically appeals to an alternative lifestyle, people who you know want to feel like they fit in, and you know that's making no sort of judgment on homosexuality. But oftentimes, I th- I think that those people don't feel like they fit in; that they're kind of a counterculture or abnormal. And uh, and uh, you know, having those friends, it it's really it's really hard for me, you know, when within the church I hear the 
you know, such a, an amazing hatred towards homosexuals for whatever reason. And, that, and that's not anything that's ever taught from the, from the pulpit or even within classes, but just knowing that, you know, that, that that's some people's attitudes towards homosexuality. So was it hard for me with the Prop 8 thing? Absolutely. Um, you know, but I guess where my faith lies is if, if it is something that the church wanted me to get out and tell people about and use whatever, you know, sort of influence had, yeah, I would, I would do as much as I can. Um, but, but one thing, you know, that I, I feel like with Prop 8 and, and, and being in that meeting, uh, in California, I feel like the church could have done a better job about educating uh, the people that they were asking money from and, you know, asking their time from, I feel like, um, you know, they did a pretty good job there in California, but, you know, you didn't hear very much of it back here in Utah. And I think it really would have been a, a great thing that the church could have taken an opportunity and said, you know, here is, you know, here is why we're doing this. This is what exactly this thing says. And making sure to educate the people because just because it was happening in California and you know, most recently something's happened in Maine and it's happened in Vermont and Iowa. And, you know, it's eventually going to spread all over. It's important that, you know, the church educates its members. And I and I feel like if, if there was anything that I had critical to say about it, it would be that I feel like that as members of the church, we weren't informed enough. But, you know, that all that being said, I, you know, if they asked me to, I would follow accordingly. Now, I, I think, Richie, there's a lot of members like you who you know, with your experience in the theater and on the radio and interacting with the alternative lifestyle, who obviously, you know, are kind of pulled by the issue, pulled in two directions by the issue. You know, I, I'm sure you have a lot of friends who are in the gay community at the same time. I think you um, understand and represent your, um, you know, the views that your church is is, is uh, pulling you in the other direction. And it's it's a difficult place to be in. You, you know, it is, and uh, I think probably, you know, people always talk about, you know, the first question when they get to heaven, what they'll ask. I'll look forward to finding out, you know, how all that works, how everything was in regards to homosexuality and, and, and you know, why exactly that is, you know, whether, I, you know, I don't want to get into whether or not a choice or naturally born or anything like that, because I, you know, it, you know, if there was a point of doctrine that I I just didn't understand, but I'm willing to accept, I guess it would be this issue of of, uh, of homosexuality. Now, um, you, you're a big participant in the Utah theater scene, as you've mentioned um, several times, um, and I, I think you've done some things outside the state. Is that right? Uh, well, I've uh, been on a performing a couple, a few performing tours outside of the state. Uh, we did a performance tour through Europe and then in the western states of Nevada, California, um, Idaho, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Colorado, kind of the inner mountain west. Uh, but, yeah, ma the majority of the stuff I've done has been here in Utah. And, and I've gotten the sense from listening to the radio show that's kind of where your passion lies. Is that a correct statement? In the theater? Uh, you know... <laughs> uh, it, I, you know, I don't know. I've thought a lot about that m most recently. You know, I guess I should also include in that, uh, you know, in Chicago, I've been out a couple of summers in a row and done some time in the improv scene in Chicago. And, um, you know, I, I think my passion is people. I think that that's why I found success as being a missionary and, and also why I like the radio and I also like the theater. I, uh, you know, there's something very different about the theater that that um, that I like because in the theater or anything that I do theatrically, it's an opportunity for me to be the star. Whereas when I produce the show, I'm oftentimes um, producing it so that other people can be the star. So, you know, if it were if it were an opportunity where I was the star of a radio show and the star of theater, I don't know that I would like one more than the other. Um, but, uh, I, it, it's a, it's a deep love of people that I have and, you know, entertaining people and helping them laugh or, you know, help them out with things that, that I think is what drives me to do all the things that I do. So we all hear all kinds of strange things about the theater, um, both for good and for bad. 
does the does being in the theater and being in that community is there any trouble reconciling that with your faith or do they just mesh in together uh you know i i don't think there's a problem with uh I don't think there's a problem with meshing the theater with the stage. I think it was Brigham Young who said, and I'm going to paraphrase the quote, which I always hate with people, but you know, I think it was Brigham Young who said, one of the nearest places you can get to God is on a stage. And uh, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people who the talents that they're given are, are you know, ways to entertain people. And, and you don't really get that opportunity otherwise, you know, to, to be able to know that you are, um, you know, helping keep someone's mind off of, you know, maybe a dying loved one or, you know, something like that, even if just for a few minutes, you know, you don't think of that as, as a gift from God, but I, you know, I, you know, for me, that's kind of where I take it. Now, is it, is it hard? And do you find a lot of people who are active members of the LDS church in the theater scene? No, you don't. There, are, you find a lot of people who were at one point, um, but you you know you don't find a lot of people who go to church every Sunday or you know even a couple of Sundays out of the month who you know are reading their scriptures who hold callings and you know and uh, and do do all these things are temple worthy you don't find a lot of people doing that in the theater and I, and I've often times wondered why exactly that is I d- I don't know that I have a, a solution or or a reason or a, an explanation for it but uh, you know there are some and I would claim to not be the most righteous of all those people, but you know there are there are a handful sprinkled throughout uh, Utah who do what they say they're going to do and keep it up. But a lot the theater eats a lot of people as far as their faith goes too. It, it seems to me it's not a real friend, family friendly sort of job. Not not in a real like negative way, but um, just maintaining a steady income and regular hours uh, would be difficult, and maintaining a career in the theater. It is absolutely. I mean, you, you're putting in long hours either during the day for rehearsals or at night and being away from family, and especially in households where, uh, you know, where uh, um, there, you know, if the wife works, she works a normal day, and then you know the husband goes to rehearsal at night. That quickly becomes a time that you never have a chance to see your spouse. Uh, you know, not to mention that there are a lot of you know you you spend a lot of time. Uh, with people who aren't your spouse and uh, and uh, you know there becomes you know when you when you create something on stage with someone you know it's a character and that person's a character uh, I think that that sometimes those boundaries can be kind of uh, fuzzied because you're acting and it's a real emotion that you're feeling but it's you know within the character and, and people have spoken about that whether or not they're that's just an excuse so that they can be, you know, not true to their spouse. But you see, you see a lot of that where people are, uh, you know, acting in ways that they could never get away with otherwise, but because they feel like it's on a stage that, oh, it's just acting. And it is just acting. And that sort of emotion comes one or both people that are participating in it. And then it becomes very real and it's not being true to who you're with. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I was listening to an interview with an actor who was on Dancing with the Stars and the question was posed as to whether or not there was a lot of temptation to cheat or there was a lot of cheating. And the actor responded by saying, well, you're, when you're in that sort of situation, you know, very physically close, spending all that time together, if you are a cheater, you will cheat. So in that sense, something like the theater probably brings that out in people. If it's in their character to do so, they probably will. And like you said, with the emotion and the uh, closeness and the intimacy that the theater necessitates if that's in your nature you're probably going to go down that path right hey richie have you say you've you've uh, done some improv stuff have you have have you entertained the idea of doing some stand-up comedy or have you already experimented with that uh, i actually would love to do stand-up comedy um i've done it uh twice before uh one time when i was 16 i did it at the salt lake county fair and uh <laughs> Everyone okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. We all right? was, okay. No, you're fine. Uh, when I was 16 at the uh, Salt Lake County Fair, I went and asked them if I could have a microphone and just started doing stand-up for a blank, empty hill of people. And by the time I was done, I 
a couple hundred people there listening to what I was saying. And I wish I still had that uh, that sort of courage. I've done it one time since then uh, at a club, which is now Wise Guys Down in Provo. It used to be called Fat, Dumb, and Happies. And, uh, and uh, I didn't go down there with the intention of doing stand-up comedy, um, but then ended up getting up as I heard the other people do. It was just a, a amateur night, uh, open mic night. And uh, I thought, you know what, I can do this. So I got up and did some stuff with the people there. Um, I want to do it now. I just, you know, there are other things that I've done. And, and a little bit of it is just, I don't, it's getting up the courage because it's just you and a room full of people. And if you suck, it's not anyone else's fault but your own <laughs> that you suck. So I think it's getting past that. Yeah, that would take a, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> So, so the four, the four or five years that you've been on the Radio from Hell show and, uh, and doing that and, and the time you spent in the theater, how do you think that that period in your life has transitioned or changed your faith? I think that in some ways it has made it stronger. I think that, um, you know, there have been, Opportunities presented to me, uh, either by situations or other people in that time that, um, that I don't think would have presented themselves had I not gone into radio or had I not been in the theater. And, and anytime you go through any sort of trial or temptation and you don't succumb to that trial or temptation, I feel like you become stronger. Um, you know, and then, and then just on the opposite side of that, I think that there have been times in the last four and a half years where I've made a wrong choice and it's, and it's been in a situation or an opportunity that's presented itself through what I do. And, uh, you know, I don't know that that opportunity would have been there otherwise, but I've made an, uh, you know, a wrong choice and, and then had to, you know, begin on that repentance process and be able to, to work my way through it. And some, you know, for some of those things, it was, you know, a one-time thing and other, other things, it's things that I have to be very careful of, you know, anytime I get in that situation to make sure that I'm, you know, who, who I want to be and doing what I want to do so that I don't, um, you know, fall back to where I was before. So good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> So for those out there who are, you know, listening to you on the show and um, hearing you represented as the, uh, you know, the representative of the faith, wh what do you want them to take away from that? You know, you know, the biggest thing for me is is that I just hope that people, you know, I mentioned this earlier, and uh, actually uh, this is a lesson that I learned from my mom who, you know, like I mentioned, is no longer a member of the churches. You know, she always said, and continues to say, just be who it is that you say that you are. And, uh, and I, and I think that that's, you know, what I, what I hope that people who listen would take from it. Um, you know, everyone knows when they're doing something that's wrong or when they're doing something that's right. And, uh, you know, everyone knows where they're at as far as their life goes. Uh, but it's it's uh you know if you consider yourself to be a very you know Christian and loving person then then be that person and always be that person don't be that person because of someone that you're dating or you're married to or someone that you work with or because you think that it'll get you know it'll be so much your the advantage I think that you just you know you just be who you say that you are and. And, uh, and I think that people will get that, uh, that inner person of who you are. You know, we go back to where we talk about, you know, you don't have to be a big weirdo to be a Mormon person. And, and I think that if, you know, if people are genuine and truly love whoever it is they're trying to share the gospel with or, you know, truly love whoever their friends are or, you know, whatever circumstance they may be in, if they are, and feel how they really say they uh, feel and are who they really are. Those people will know that you can, you can, I can sort out a phony really quick. Uh, as far as, you know, if it's someone who's been drinking last night and came to church today or, you know, someone who's professing to be one thing 
and then obviously isn't that thing. Um, you know, I think it's just it's just being who you say you are, uh, no matter what. And you know, people will give you a hard time, but you know, Perry, Bill, and Gina have all expressed at different points that you know that they have a, a certain uh, a certain amount of uh, admiration for me because. You know, they don't know that they could be as strong in the, in, if they were in my situation. And uh, and I think for me, that's been it's been a huge it's been a huge uh, kind of blessing as far as that goes to know that it doesn't go unnoticed. Well, Richie, I, I think you're a great example on how to live your faith, whatever that be. And I think you're a credit to Mormonism, and I think you're doing a great job um, out there representing the non-crazies in the church. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, Richie, thanks for letting me listen. Um, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> you're, the Radio from Hell show at X96 is uh, on 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the Salt Lake City market. Is that right? Uh, yeah, you can also get us uh, by going online. You can stream us online, x96.com. And then you can also uh, download that podcast uh, at iTunes. Just search for Radio from Hell. Um, like I said, I think you're the best uh, radio show in the country. So I, I hope all the success for you and the Radio for, from Hell players. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you guys for thank you guys for having me. I uh, want to thank you guys. This was a, a great opportunity. And you know, anytime in the future, if uh, if you need another panelist or if you uh, want to talk again, more than willing to do it for you. Okay, great. Well, we're going to take you up on that, Richie. Um, remember, the discussion continues at mormonexpression.com. Check out the blog there for links um, from to the uh, Radio from Hell show or for anything else we discussed. You can call us at 801-906-6722 or leave an email at mail at mormonexpression.com. <laughs>